Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, giving you even more specialized support than ever before. Like access to the Trade Desk, our team of passionate traders ready to tackle anything from the most complex trading questions to a simple strategy gut check. Need assistance? No problem. Get 24-7 professional answers and live help and access support by phone, email, and in-platform chat. That's how Schwab is here for you, to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com trading. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just a show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. I'm Paul Sweeney, alongside my co-host, Matt Miller. Every business day, we bring you interviews from CEOs, market pros, and Bloomberg experts, along with essential market-moving news. Find the Bloomberg Markets Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Let's check in on these markets. Rebecca Felton, Senior Market Strategist at Riverfront Investment Group, located in beautiful Richmond, Virginia. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us here. You are a fellow University of Richmond alumni. You know what the mascot is, Matt, of the University of Richmond? Wait, I thought you were a Duke guy. Graduate school. Ah, I see. Okay, yeah. So, undergrad, the mascot is? Um, uh, General Lee. Spiders. Oh, Yes. You I knew, never would I, have guessed that, but no, no, Rebecca yeah. knows that. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us here. What are you doing you. in a market where we've got interest rates rising, we've got growth slowing? How do you have the courage to be in this market? Well, thank you so much for ha having me. Well, first off, you know, one of the things we rely on is our process and our tactical indicators are still suggesting it's appropriate to be overweight stocks, um, and we are with a preference for U.S. equity. Now, I'll say that and, and also point out that we've taken some risk off the table um, in the last month or so. We've, we've bumped up our cash just a little bit, um, but that's really for maybe a buying opportunity later, not because we're bearish. Yeah, we heard yesterday we were talking to Phil Orlando from Federated Hermes, and he was saying uh, he thinks the market's rallying to 5,300 by year end, but this first half is going to be choppy. And uh, almost wanting to preserve capital, I think he said, you know, for now, um, you sound a little bit more sanguine about the risks, the headwinds um, to, to face U.S. stock investors for, for this part of the year. Well, you know, when we put our outlook um, out um, in, at the end of December, beginning of January, it, the theme of it was the return of volatility in 2022. So, of course, that doesn't mean it's going to be pleasant, um, but we think, you know, selection is going to be key. Having, um, you know, some growth, some value, and again, some cash uh, for ballast, if you will, against these types of periods. And we think that you can navigate through. But we do also agree that the volatility will likely uh, continue through, through the first half of the year. Hey, Rebecca, we're kind of in the, getting into the meat here of earnings season. What do you need to see from corporate earnings here as it relates to maybe valuation here? Obviously, some people have some valuation concerns. What do you need to see from earnings to kind of address that issue? Well, when you think about where we were in terms of growth in 2021, right, they're now forecasting full year 2021 is going to come in at 
it north of 45 percent, and we know that that was, you know, coming out of the depths. And so now you're looking at a 2022 where you're seeing a deceleration of growth in that 8 to 10% range. That's consensus, I think, for the calendar year that we're in. But that has been well known for six months or so, right? So that that uh, forward growth expectation has been there. And we've also seen a couple of multiple points come out of, of uh, the S&P 500 as we have navigated through this year. So we're back to what we would consider a more normal type of earnings growth trajectory. And we think that uh, the current valuations can bear that out, particularly when you look at uh, profit margins being so strong, cash levels being so high, and the growth prospects still very good for the U.S. In terms of yields right now we're headed towards two it seems quickly um how much does that bother you uh in terms of your equity investments and at what point would it you know uh, what level do you think you'd have to make some changes to your strategy well definitely uh north of two most likely before we started bumping up our our fixed income um i asked that question a lot of our fixed income folks and i think that they uh reserve the right to 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 hold off on giving a finite number but when you think about the technology space we are still neutral to slightly overweight there but we are still leaning into those software companies because we think it's worth it to pay up for names that have consistency potential as it relates to earnings and revenues um, and we do expect that they're going to be a little choppy in here as folks digest the fact that rates are going higher. But we still think growth will win out. And so we're content to stick with with the space. I'm looking at uh, WTI crude oil. It's off about 2% today, but still just below $90 per barrel. And that's obviously been a good harbinger for energy stocks, uh, actually getting a little bit more love in the marketplace. How do you think about energy right here? Is there more room to go? Well, we had come into this year slightly underweight energy because we did not expect uh, oil to go as high as it has gone. Um, Obviously, for the foreseeable future, though, we expect prices to stay high, particularly with the tensions going on on the uh, Ukraine border. Um, So we have neutralized uh, that position, and we're sitting tight with that at this moment. Uh, All right. So the geopolitical um, issues are always just difficult to get right. Let me ask you, just with about 30 seconds left, what you think about crazy things like crypto. Is it too crazy? Well, I don't um, have really a good answer for you there. It is a space that we watch, obviously, because companies that we own have exposures there, um, but we do not outright invest in it at this time. All right, Rebecca. It's too crazy. It's it's still too crazy. It's still too crazy for a lot of people. For Main Street. Yes. Richmond. And for maybe even Jamie Dimon in for Park sure. Avenue. Yeah, Park well, but, Avenue. <laughs> yeah, but I think like Rebecca, you know, they, she has, she's invested in companies that are connected. He's willing to yep. work with clients that are connected. Yep. He just thinks, yeah, yeah. Yep. Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, unlocking the power of Thinkorswim, the award-winning trading platforms loaded with features that let you dive deeper into the market. Visualize your trades in a new light on Thinkorswim Desktop with robust charting and analysis tools, all while you uncover new opportunities with up-to-the-minute market news and insights. Thinkorswim is available on desktop, web, and mobile to meet you where you are. It's built by the trading obsessed to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com trading. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Let's check in with Darren Cherbitz, Portfolio Manager for Jacob Asset Management. Darren, what are you doing with this market here? We've seen, I guess, volatility has been kind of the name of the game here so far in 2022. How are you thinking about this market? Well, it's up, absolutely uh, remains one of the uh, craziest market environments uh, I've seen, but that's pretty much been the case for uh, you know, not just 2022, but uh, certainly I would say for the last 12 to 24 months, frankly. Uh, so this is really uh, not much different. I mean, if, if you look at the area where we uh, generally focus in at Jacob Asset Management, which is the, uh, you know, smaller cap portion of the marketplace, I mean, we've been kind of in a stealth bear market for 12 months. So again, I'm, you know, Generally speaking, I'm looking at this as an opportunity to uh, try and find values that are out there in the marketplace. So where are you finding them? Oh, in a, a lot of different places, obviously. You know, I mean, uh, part of the, uh, you know, question is trying to determine which companies are going to do well when we come out of this, uh, you know, difficult COVID pandemic environment, which ones are going to be able to handle uh, inflationary environments. And uh, so, I mean, one example, for for instance, is in cryptocurrency, which obviously uh, is, is a area that, that we're uh, pretty intensely interested in. Uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, it parallels what we saw um, as a uh, technology-focused investor way back when in the, in the dot-com bubble. A lot of interesting opportunities, but a lot of perils. So, you know, one of the uh, stocks that we like here is a, is a cryptocurrency broker called Voyager Digital. Uh, that is one area that we like. Uh, we have uh, investments in Silvergate and Galaxy Digital as well in that space. So, uh, Darren, I know, I know you were back in the dot-com era here. Uh, boy, that didn't end well for a lot of people. Do you think the risks but are, it was are good are... for – but, Darren, you were at MarketWatch at the time, right? Yeah, so I, I, I've been uh, uh, originally a journalist and – and left to join the asset management field in actually the peak of the dot-com bubble. Right at the top. In, in <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, is a pretty good contrarian indicator. Uh, but, you know, it's all about your timelines. I mean, you say it didn't end well, and yet if you look at the, you know, 10 most valuable companies in the world, they're all basically Internet-based. It was an yep. issue of, of timing more so than opportunity. And, and so, you know, that's part of the game in, in, the, in the market. And uh, so... Generally speaking, you know, when I was looking 
at this marketplace and all of the crazy speculation that we saw with the meme stocks and the cryptos and NFTs and, and just had trouble finding uh, good opportunities in that type of marketplace. So when I see this uh, kind of come down, uh, I, you know, that gets me more excited. It, it opens up opportunities. A great example of that is with SPACs. I mean, you know, that was one of the the biggest indicators that things were just getting entirely, uh, you know, too speculative and, and goofy in some level. And and so many of those SPACs are now totally broken with with valuations well under the price they, they came public at. And, you know, are we there yet at the bottom? Probably not. You know, a lot of these companies, just like we saw in the in the dot-com bubble, will, will fail. But uh, there are some interesting companies, there are some interesting technologies out there, and I think it is going to be on us to kind of pick through some of the carcasses that, that arise and, and, and realize where there's opportunity and when there was just hype. All right. Uh, Darren, great to get some time with you, and I hope to uh, talk to you more again in the future. I'm, I'm intensely focused on crypto as well, so um, I'm glad we had you on. And uh, Darren Chervitz, their portfolio manager from Jacob Asset Management, talking to us about what he's looking for in terms of opportunity. In terms of Crypto, you know, it's been an incredible run over the past um, few sessions for Bitcoin. We're trading at just over 48, uh, 43000 I should say, right now. So uh, uh, $43,400, basically. But, you know, it was only yeah, we were two below. weeks ago yep. that we were down at 36 and um, we had flirted. People thought we were going down to 30 um, but we have gone the other way. And it's interesting to watch Bitcoin now get some, uh, get some real power. Let's check in with our next guest, Katarina Simonetti, Senior Vice President, Private Wealth Advisor at Morgan Stanley. Katarina, thanks so much for uh, joining us here. I kind of feel like, you know, I got a lot of bricks in my wall of worry here, not the least of which is inflation, but I need to be in the market, though. Just stay defensive. What are you telling your clients? Matt, you're right. I mean, this certainly has been a uh, bumpy ride, and it's nice to see some green on the screen for sure. Uh, and uh, the uniqueness of the situation is that we not only have inflation, but we also have this really low rate environment. And we know rates are going up, but this combination of the low rate environment and inflation that is higher than expected uh, is a, a definite concern for uh, investors. And we see it with consumer spending. We see consumers being you know, extremely reluctant to spend and kind of just uh, looking at the situation. And perhaps inflation is not going to stay at the current high levels that we're seeing it. Perhaps it's going to, there's going to be some type of level of normalization. But what it means to investors is that real returns, inflation-adjusted returns, are more important than ever. And we have to very carefully analyze the investment portfolios through the prism of are they producing enough income to at the very least maintain the buying power of our portfolios and does everything that we have in our portfolios make sense from the perspective of real returns and that's what inflation that's what investors are asking us about and these are the conversations that we're having over and over you know looking at everything through the perspective of being okay. prepared for being in the higher rate um, inflation environment for quite some time. Yeah, um, it's the rates that are the concern, right? Um, how far do you expect the Fed to go? How far do you expect the 10-year to go? 
So Fed has done, you know, very good job setting expectations, and their decisions are very much economically driven, not market driven. An economy has remained strong. I mean, there are challenges without shadow of a doubt. You know, so we think that there are going to be a number of rate hikes. You know, probably a quarter point at a time. Um, it's hard to know exactly how far the rates are going to get. You know, but it, the concern is really, you know, for the existing portfolios and existing positioning um, and the quality right now of fixed income portfolios, you know, is important more than ever. Um, now, this is not an unprecedented time. You know, the, the environment of raising rates is a little bit nerve-wracking for investors, but, you know, we get through it, you know, over and over. Uh, but it is unprecedented when we're dealing with heightened market volatility, inflation, and the environment with Fed is raising rates all at the same time. So it's going to be a bumpy ride, heightened volatility, and we should mentally prepare for it. Katerina, when your clients call up and ask about crypto, broadly defined, or Bitcoin, how do you kind of have that conversation? Well, you know, it, it's, there, there's a lot of uncertainty in that asset class. And, you know, we see the volatility that is at the highest level, you know, possible. So we really are very careful about having those discussions, you know, from the perspective of, you know, we want to make sure that, that investors themselves do a lot of homework trying to understand what the asset class is all about and what role it plays, you know, in their investment portfolios. You know, so we, we just, you know, our job as advisors, you know, is to set expectations and prepare the general investment public for a much, much higher level of volatility in that asset class versus traditional stock market investments and, uh, you know, more expected volatility. We've seen some reasonable volatility in commodities, other commodities, right? Because a lot of people think of uh, cryptos just as digital commodities. What do you think about the um, the OG commodities, though? I mean, you know the oils, the metals, the ags. Is that important? Well, it brings you, brings you to the original question about inflation. So commodities traditionally are viewed as one of the inflation hedges. And, you know, what we're doing right now is we're putting, making sure that investors do have a diversified portfolio, you know, all of the sectors that are, you know, historically known as inflation hedges and, you know, commodities absolutely, you know, play a role there. We can't deny that, you know, there has been a serious uptick in the price of oil, you know, but the other area that, that works really well in this environment is real estate, because as we look at inflation hedges, you know, what ideally would we try to uh, combine is not only the appreciation potential and, and ability of the sectors to maintain the purchasing value of the investors, but also looking at asset classes that produce current income. And this is where, you know, industrials and REITs, you know, really come into play. But historically, you know, coming back to your question about commodities, commodities can be used very effectively as inflation hedges. All right, Katerina, thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate getting your thoughts and perspectives. Katerina Simonetti, she's a senior vice president and a private wealth advisor uh, for Morgan Stanley. And, you know, it's interesting, Matthew, we've seen the, the commodities inflation. You know, everybody that comes on, and they're a lot smarter than me, say inflation's going to come down markedly throughout this year, and maybe it's even peaking now or perhaps next month. Boy, I, I guess I, I haven't seen it yet. I mean... I also hear that from um, most of the people who come on, all of whom are, are also smarter than I. Um, I will say, 
And again, I'm going to revert to N.I. Gilbert. I highly recommend people type N.I. space Gilbert on the terminal. I'm doing it as we um, speak. Mark's uh, story number three on, on his uh, ticker there is about a couple of really big names on Wall Street. Nikolai Tangen, who's, I guess, Global Wall Street, right, because he runs the Norwegian Wealth Fund, and BlackRock are both saying inflation is here to stay. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. you're right. Most people have said it's going to be tempered in the second half, come yep. back down to earth. So we'll have to see, but it's certainly an issue for investors today. Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, giving you even more specialized support than ever before. Like access to the trade desk, our team of passionate traders ready to tackle anything from the most complex trading questions to a simple strategy gut check. Need assistance? No problem. Get 24-7 professional answers and live help and access support by phone, email, and in-platform chat. That's how Schwab is here for you, to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. David Katz, President and Chief Investment Officer for Matrix Asset Advisors, joins us. David, I love chatting with you. I'd love to get your thoughts here. Uh, as we struggle here early in 2022 in the equity markets, a lot of volatility, which people warned us about. How do you think about value versus growth here, given what we've seen so far this year? So we went into the year cautiously optimistic about the market, but a little bit concerned about the growthier areas of the market because we saw a lot of excesses. In light of the fact that you had a 10 to 15% sell-off in that area for the first month of the year, we think it's a more level playing field right now, and we think that you can buy in both areas, both value and growth, but you do have to be a lot more discerning on the growth side. What do you think when you look at what's happening in rates right now? I mean, we're all on kind of 2% watch with a 10-year um, right now trading at 196. Plus, we have in – it's not just the U.S., right? You've got um, the BOE and now the ECB on board with kind of a global rate-raising uh, um, cycle. So we do think that rates are going to be going up this year. That's, you know, locked and loaded. The Fed is going to be raising rates, whether it's three or four or five times. It's going to be happening. We think inflation is definitely out there. We do believe it's going to start to come down a little bit by the July-August time frame. But we think interest rates are going higher, and you want to invest accordingly because it shouldn't be a surprise when the 10-year does hit, too. It's going to happen. Small caps, is it a time for small caps to really shine here, David? 
So, uh, again, small caps opened the year uh, pretty horribly. They're down about 15 to 20 percent. So we do think from here in a better economy and as COVID takes a backseat uh, eventually that they will come back very sharply. So we like small caps here. Uh, we don't traffic as much in individual uh, small stocks. We focus on mid and large. So on the small cap side, we like the ETFs like the Russell 2000 or the S&P Small Cap Index, we think gives you real good exposure to that area of the market. And we would be buying this dip. You know, you've had a very sharp sell-off. We think if you have a 6- to 12-month time horizon, there are lots of different places to put money to work. We would not chase the strong days like today, but on the days where the market's off, 200, 500 points, small caps are down, we'd buy small caps. And we think there are, you know, lots of places to make money, whether it's small, mid, or large. And what about regionally? I mean, do you focus on only the U.S.? Do you look at what's going on in Europe, emerging markets? So our primary expertise is in the U.S. We do look at the international markets, and we, we think after a decade of underperforming that the international markets are also poised to do better. So we like the developed markets this year. Uh, again, we would do that probably through ETFs or some active managers. We also think the emerging markets are probably one of the better opportunities in the globe. There's a lot more uncertainty there. There's a lot more volatility but as long as you can put a small percentage there, we think you can buy some ETFs in the emerging market area and you'll be well rewarded on a 12-month basis. Um, just understand that there's a lot more risk associated with it. And in terms of the emerging markets, we think they're about six to 12 months behind the United States in terms of trying to deal with COVID. But we do think you're going to have a global economic recovery, and that helps the emerging markets. All right, David, we have inflation. Uh, one of the discussions that Matt and I continue to have is, you know, we know the Fed has retired the term transitory, but a lot of folks that we talk to on this program talk about inflation ebbing materially in the second half of the year. Is that something you ascribe to? So the, the question is, what's materially? We think that inflation is going to start to move lower. You think We think the comparisons start to get easier by uh, June, July, August. Uh, we think inflation ultimately settles down in like the 35 to 4% range and then, then goes lower from there. But we don't think you're going back to 2%, but we don't think you're going to stay at 7 or 8%. So, so you do think um, inflation is, is here to stay um, to a point. What does that mean? the Fed has to do to fight it? Well, we think the Fed is, is correctly raising rates this year, and we think that uh, as the logistics problems from that are COVID-related uh, go into the rearview mirror and as the labor market settle down, um, inflation settles back at the 3.5% level. And we think if the Fed uh, has raised rates a number of times this year, um, they will have correctly slowed inflation down. And that's a very livable number. We think in terms of the stock market, uh, inflation under 3.5% is very good for the long term. When inflation gets above 4% on a longer-term basis, and we don't think that's going to happen, that typically is a negative for the stock market. So we don't think we're going to get there. We think we're in a the sweet spot of the equity markets where you have a good economy, inflation should be manageable, interest rates are still relatively low, so stocks can do okay over time. David, what's the best idea that you've heard recently and maybe you've actually actioned on it? Well, generally, as you know, we look at things in six to 12 months. So what I might put out as a good stock idea today probably looks pretty stupid today, but six and 12 months out, we think will make you money. 
Uh, so, you know, we like a lot of stocks here, uh, again, longer term. So companies like Comcast, FedEx, U.S. Bancorp, Medtronic, and Gilead on the value side, we think are really good businesses at a very attractive prices. On the growth side, Google had a great quarter. Microsoft yeah. had a great quarter. Thermo Fisher had a great quarter. And you're paying about 20 to 24 times earnings for those companies, uh, which is okay for great growth companies. So we think that sort of basket of, of stocks is a very good place to start, and we'd be buying um, you know, into any sort of down days here. All right, David, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you sharing your thoughts here, sharing some names that you guys are looking at uh, at the moment. Uh, David Katz, President and Chief Inf Investment Officer at Matrix Asset Advisors here. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Matt Miller. I'm on Twitter at MattMiller1973. And I'm Paul Sweeney. I'm on Twitter at P.T. Sweeney. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide at Bloomberg Radio. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.